I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sports going viral. I'm Alisa Woods and I am here with Jamie Steyer. Hey, Jamie, I just called you Steyer. Steyer? Steyer? Honestly, that's like such a high percentage of the times that, like, that's what people call me, such a high percentage of the time that it didn't even like raise a flag in my listen, mind that that's what you said. No, listen, I hear that. People call me Alyssa, Alicia, like all the time. Frankly, when we started this pod, I think that you introducing our first podcast was the first time I heard your name set up. No, <laughs> Title Nine would have been, but I still like had in the back of my mind. Like, yeah. How I do need you to listen. Say, I really need to listen. That's hilarious. <laughs> no, I have, I, I shouldn't say this on the podcast, but I'm certain they don't listen. I have an aunt and uncle, a great aunt and uncle who still call me the wrong name. So. <laughs> hilarious but we are on tonight in really a a unique position so this is thursday night that we're recording um thursday night after a wednesday of no basketball Mm -hmm. so the nba uh was set to kick off their their game the milwaukee bucks were set to play the magic and the magic was out there you know warming up a couple of the bucks players came out and warmed up not everybody um and kind of right before tip-off time the bucks said yeah we're not playing this game and so that was that was a reaction to um a man jacob blake getting shot seven times in the back uh, by kenosha wisconsin police on monday night um and LeBron James on Monday night said like right after, you know, he found out his kind of gut reaction was like, why does this keep happening? Why does it have to come down to shooting people? You know, Mm -hmm. and he was very frustrated and he's always been, you know, very frustrated by the, the, the police brutality. And he's always spoken up about that. And so he kind of said, you know, that was the, the kickoff. Then Tuesday night, Doc Rivers spoke 
Um, and he, he got choked up and he, he said, you know, we keep loving this country and this country does not love us back. And he also kind of spoke about, um, you know, I have to tell my son, I have to explain to my young son, you know, to be careful when you get pulled over, you know, mm-hmm. and he's like, that's messed up. You know, I should just be a coach is something else that he said. And so he spoke up and then Wednesday, uh, yesterday afternoon, the Bucks decided just shortly before that five o'clock tip that they were not going to play. Um, and they intended to sacrifice their game and the playoff game against the magic. And it would have been, they're up three, one, it would have been three, two then mm-hmm. at that point. But after that, everyone kind of joined in and all of the teams supported them. And, and the magic said, nope, we'll reschedule it. And the NBA said, you know, yeah, we're going to reschedule all of these games. We're going to call them postponed. Um, and kind of what a lot of I've read and heard is that they, they felt like they were being held captive in the bubble. They wanted to be at the protests. And mm-hmm. um, this is Im- important because a good majority of the NBA players are African-American. And so they even like Kyrie Irving kind of led the charge to not even play the season, not even go into the bubble and play the season. Cause he didn't want to take the, the focus off of the protests that were going on. And what I thought was really interesting was that the bucks chose that time to do it. They didn't give ESPN opportunity to fill that time with something different mm-hmm. by saying in the morning, Hey, we're not going to play or by saying Tuesday night, we're not going to play. Um, and so they, they just didn't, they didn't give them the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then ESPN just had to go wall to wall with coverage. You know, this is why this is happening. It, it was forced for them forced it forced ESPN and even NBA TV to just talk about what was going on in Wisconsin instead of talk about the game. And uh, so after that, then the, the Bucks players actually, while they were still in their, um, in their locker room, their team owner and senior VP set up a zoom call with the Wisconsin Lieutenant governor and attorney general. And they were in there, for a long time talking about like what can be done and we have to understand like these are not only players that play for the nba they they're not minimum wage Mm -hmm. employees you know what i mean they're very wealthy individuals very wealthy tax-paying individuals in the community and basically if it was you know somebody who owned a different company and had that amount of money or you know was even a higher up in in another company they would be no one would blink at them talking about politics you know what i mean but because they play sports it's like oh stick to sports it's okay supposed well, to be entertainment that's what right. i kept seeing is oh well this is my entertainment it's like well this is their life right like listen steve why don't you stick to accounting <laughs> you know what i mean like right at some point in time it's it's a little bit demeaning to say like you need to stick to your profession because none of us stick to our profession if we're interested in oh, politics yeah. it's, a, it's a lot of it demeaning. yeah and, yeah so, so they, they had that Zoom call and eventually after three plus hours, they emerged and they said, you know, we just didn't want to have this reactionary um, reaction. Basically, mm-hmm. we didn't want to just come out and say the first thing that was on our minds. We wanted to 
put together kind of what the team as a whole was thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after that, all of a lot of the players got together that are in the bubble um, with with i saw chris paul was running around doing a lot of things um obviously he's i think the president of the players union um and just a lot of the players got together all the teams players from every team got together to have a conversation and it was a really informal conversation but um they they got together and they they talked and one of the things that i thought was interesting that came up was that they they said, you know, guys, do you even know that California is about to vote on a historical, like, police reform, like, thing? Do, do you yeah. even know that? And then they, then they asked, you know, how many of you vote? And what I thought, how many of you are registered to vote? And what I thought was very interesting was it came out, the Players Union had numbers that said that it was ex- an extremely low percentage of the Mm -hmm. players who were registered to vote. And so what I think kind of happened in that, in that meeting was this starts with us, you know, we, Mm -hmm. we, we have stuff on the back of our shirts. We want to talk about change, but the change starts with us because we are, you know, wealthy and we are powerful and we are influencers and we need to start, you know, leading the charge by voting and by really, knowing what's going on and, and educating ourselves. So I thought yes. that that was a really interesting meeting. And um, through that meeting on Wednesday night and through an informal vote, the Lakers and Clippers voted to stop playing and LeBron actually left the meeting early, but the rest voted to, to continue playing. And then they, it was again, like an informal vote. So it wasn't, this is what we're going to do, but let's gauge what people are thinking right now. Mm-hmm. And then they said, let's meet again Thursday. So um, they met again this morning, voted in favor of resuming the playoffs. Um, but there's no details as to when they're going to start playing or anything. And then I think that they were going to have another meeting this afternoon, but I haven't heard the details of that coming out. So that is kind of what all happened. And I think that I said that, that Jacob Blake was shot on Monday, but I believe it was Sunday. Mm-hmm. I want to clarify yeah. that. I believe it was Sunday. Um, but that's kind of what kind of kicked all of this stuff out. And so you and I got together and we said, gosh, what do we even talk about? And I said, you know, they, they did this. So the media would talk about racial injustices. And so I guess that's what we're going to talk about. about. (laughs) Yeah. And it would, it would be a disservice to them for us to just say, we're not going to do a podcast this week because then we wouldn't be talking about it, yeah. you know, which is what yeah. they want. So, and I mean, I think it was really interesting too how quickly it rippled out because we're going to talk about other leagues, obviously, yeah. um, on the rest of the pod. But even as far as the NBA goes, it stretched beyond the teams. You had Kenny Smith walk off um, inside the NBA. Uh, he said, as a black man, as a former player, I think it's best for me to support the players and just not be here tonight. You know, you could see him wrestling with that. And just finally on live air, come to this realization that, you know what? I think they're right. And I think that's the move I'm going to make. And it's not like he forced the other guys to go off air. He said, you know, you guys keep doing your thing, but I I need to do this too. And um, today I actually saw a video of the NBA refs marching through um, 
just the area of the bubble. because obviously they can't go anywhere either. Right. Um, but they all had on the same shirt and it said everybody versus racism. And they just were marching through the bubble. And it's like, it, it really affects everyone, especially because, you know, refs are diverse, you know, you've yeah. got, you've got a lot of African-American refs there. You've got, I mean, they, they all work together. So, you right. know, they all, they all know people affected by it. So I thought it was so interesting how quickly that started kind of rippling off, not just in the athletes, but other people yeah. are related as well. Yeah. And I have heard a lot, you know, I try to not read the comments, but I have heard a lot of comments saying like, this isn't doing any good. And it's like, okay, but you just took 30 seconds to tweet about this Mm -hmm. and to continue the conversation. So I hate to say it, but you are, you're adding to the conversation. Well, and you're like the person commenting on it may be far enough along the spectrum that it's not going to change their mind, but it's a wide range of opinion. It's a wide range of levels of education. There's people who maybe haven't been forced to reckon with this yet. You know, maybe they really avoided it because, Oh, I don't do politics or something like that. But all of a sudden when it infiltrates whatever sport they prefer, whether it be the NBA, whether it be MLB, whether it be NHL, you know, maybe that's what really forced them to reckon with it. And even if it's a minor percentage, like that's the entire point. Right. And I just want to, I just want to point out something um, since people can't see us, we are two white women. (laughs) (laughs) So we're two white women speaking about this. However, like my husband is African-American and thus my children are, you know, half African-American, half white. My children are mixed. And so this does touch my family. And um, when my husband and I got together, he brought a lot of this information that I didn't know about racial inequality. And I brought in a lot of information that he didn't know about women's rights, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and where that struggle was. And so we kind of met up and, and had this conversation and educated each other. And so now we are kind of a unified force, um, to, to just equality for both women and for African-Americans. And so that's why this conversation is important to me. Uh, I'm not saying that I am a a know-it-all source of information, (laughs) but I have done a ton of listening and being involved. Um, We're very involved in the NAACP, which is, you know, I'm just going to unabashedly put a plug in for them if you want more information about um, what's going on or if you want to support people in some way, I think that that's a great way to do it. So that's just my little plug um, why I think that this is an important conversation to have. I'm not saying, you know, we're going to solve racial inequality on this podcast, but I think it's important to talk about. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the other part of it is that, you know, I don't think that either of us are ever going to be the ones to say that, like you said, we don't have the answer, but we can at least listen to the people that do. So, I mean, when you can pull the words of people who have lived that experience, when you can at least try and direct that, I think that it's a really important step. And with that, uh, we can talk a little WNBA. Yeah. I was going to say, talk about the WNBA. They've been doing this for a while. They've, they've been doing this for basically the entirety of their league, you know, and especially in recent years, um, huge, huge, huge advocates. Um, 
if you look at really any given day, the players coming off a bus, um, you don't get the fashion statement pictures like you might get from the NBA. You get statements of social justice and political justice. It's absolutely incredible to watch, frankly. Um, But the WNBA had a little bit of a back and forth. Um, Initially, they had decided that they were going to continue to play. Um, Their initial thought was to stop play every seven minutes for the seven times that he was shot. Um, As they kind of had a little bit more discussion, they actually decided to also suspend play on Wednesday and then also Thursday. Um, the Mystics had showed up to their game on Wednesday. They were wearing shirts that spelled out James Blake's name, and they actually had um, drawn out the seven gunshots on the back of the shirt. So extremely powerful statement there. Um, all the WNBA players had come out and taken photos together. Neil, you know, just showing, like, it's all of us together. Um, And then they went through some discussions today. It was a resounding decision that they would continue to play. Um, I don't know that they've like come out and said absolutely 100%. Yes, they're playing Friday, but I believe all signs point to that. And Neka Gumake did say that that was their plan. So as of right now, they're going as scheduled for Friday. Um, Another thing Neka Gumbike said, she was giving basically the statement today after all of their discussion on really what they had come to an agreement on. And uh, what she said was, it's important to note this is not a strike. This is not a boycott. This is affirmatively a day of reflection, a day of informed action and mobilization. We recommitted to the justice movement, the platform for advocacy, and the Say Her Name campaign. So um, it's... To a point, it's semantics. Um, withholding your labor is still a strike, you know, but it's it's also saying, you know, we weren't just sitting out for the sake of sitting out. These are the things that we discussed. Um, they all came back together for another group photo with the um, shirts they had had all made. Let's say arrest the killer of Breonna Taylor. Um, so basically what the W has been doing a lot this year is – trying to also center um, black female voices as well as black female victims, um, considering, you know, how little media coverage they tend to get. Um, And so that's what mostly they were doing today. And I'm sure that there will be some incredibly powerful statements that will be made when play resumes on Friday. So we will definitely have to keep an eye out on that. If you're interested at all in social justice and you really haven't been following along with what the WNBA does they, I mean, for context, the Atlanta Dream is co-owned by Senator Kelly Loeffler, and they came out with shirts endorsing her opponent. So they really don't care right. about consequences. They don't care about what the people in power think. Like, they're used to kind of being the bottom of the totem pole. They're not really faced by it. Yeah. Well, the MLS, um, most of the the Wednesday batches got postponed, and the Atlanta United and 
oh gosh, I can't even remember what the other one was. Inner Miami game. Um, they decided to not play right before that game. And MLS kind of came out and was like, we've decided to postpone games. And a bunch of the players and managers came, came out and was like, um, no, we decided right. to postpone <laughs> the matches. Um, so there was, there was a little bit back and forth on that. Um, but ultimately, you know, they decided to not play their Wednesday games and uh, just kind of waiting to see what, what they decide along with all the other leagues. Um, okay. The MLB was – the MLB did exactly what the MLB kind of always does. Um, it was kind of a piecemeal response. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think that part of the beauty of it is letting everyone kind of respond in a way they seem they see fit. And so there's some games that have been postponed. There's some games that are going on as we speak on Thursday night. Um, it's really kind of all over the place, frankly. Um, the only two that did continue to play tonight, Thursday night, are the Dodgers and Giants and the Reds and Brewers. Um, so just kind of is what it is um that those are their decisions a lot of the players are coming out and giving very specific reasoning as to why um coming out making statements um as far as statements go one of the most powerful ones i think came from the marlins and the mets they came out whole lineup came out um went to their positions they went out they stood there had a um they had a 42 second moment of silence and then they all filed off and all they left was a Black Lives Matter shirt on home plate. So um, really taking that time to make sure that their voices were heard. And then you and I were talking about um, specific voices, um, always, always pretty outspoken, always kind of has something to say. Jason Hayward, um, he did sit out on Wednesday, but the Cubs played on. So there's been a lot of discussion about that um, from – what he's saying, um, he did actually go to bat for his teammates. A lot of people are saying, well, oh my gosh, I can't believe that his teammates would hang him out to dry like that. I can't believe that they wouldn't back him up. And in reality, it was him encouraging them to actually go on and play the game. So um, obviously there's, there's really different reactions. You know, on the Dodgers, Mookie Betts was the one who said that he didn't want to play and then the rest of his team backed him up and didn't play. Um, but as far as the Cubs go, I mean, Hayward was very adamant that it was him encouraging them to go on and play. Um, and I think that it definitely has brought up a lot of good conversations. You know, you've got people who generally aren't making a lot of statements on race, um, engaging in conversations as far as that goes. So that's kind of where the MLB's at. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, first of all, how things go in the next couple of days, since there's so many teams still playing, you know, it's kind of different than a lot of the other leagues going right now. Um, and the other part of it is that, it's already kind of chaos as far as how many things need to be rescheduled. So it'll be really interesting to see how they handle those postponed games as well. Yeah. So the NHL, um, they did play on Wednesday and they had a, a moment of silence and everything and got a lot of pushback and they actually decided to not play Thursday, Friday night. So um, again, taking the stand to not play for a couple nights, probably looking back they're they're, in the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. So probably looking at coming back um, this weekend. 
as as long as we know, you know, yeah. but that that's kind of where they stand. Yeah. And then NFL is still not playing yet, so not a whole lot for them to be doing. Um, nine teams did cancel practice on the Thursday. Um, and then I think that the biggest step taken was the Ravens releasing um, a pretty wide-ranging statement, but it's a pretty quick read. I definitely recommend checking it out. But um, among the points on their statement was a call to arrest and charge the killers of Breonna Taylor. So um, basically doing what it's becoming increasingly common for teams and players to do and getting involved and kind of speaking their truth. Awesome. Well, um, it's, we're in a unique place right now because I did an interview with, um, with the senior vice president of, um, business development and, Gosh, she has such a long title. Well, I'll talk, you know what, I'll talk about it. So I did this interview with um, the chief marketing officer of PBR, so professional bull rider riders, and his name is Koshe Irby. And I did this interview with him on Friday. And so I don't want people to listen to this interview and think that he is ignoring everything that's going on. And, you know, he doesn't have anything to say about what's going on uh, because I'm sure that he would have something to say um, had, had we done this interview after the, the weekend. But I, I still wanted to air the interview because I think that it's really interesting. And I think that um, he has a lot of really interesting things to talk about how, um, how they're doing seating for PBR and really really like how they're getting back to live events is going to show how I think we're going to be getting back to a lot of live events, especially like us here in Iowa are interested um, how we're going to get back to Iowa state events mm -hmm. and maybe a, a look into how seating and how security and everything like that is going to be. So very interesting interview coming up next. Um, and we'll get you guys caught up next week on everything that's going on COVID related and possibly racial injustice related. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, everybody. This is Alisa uh, right here on the Pro Sports Going Viral podcast. And today I have Koshe Irby, Chief Marketing Officer of PBR, Professional Bull Riding. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, thank you. Thank you for the time. I think this is awesome where you're going. Thank you. Thank you. So, I mean, you and I talked a little bit um, before this and I just let you know what this was like. And we do have a lot of the pro sports kind of getting started. We, we've seen what they're doing in the bubble with the NBA, WNBA. Uh, we've seen what they're doing outside of the bubble with, the, with baseball. So uh, when did you guys decide to stop touring and, and start rescheduling your events once the pandemic kind of hit? Uh, I, I mean, I think like every other live event out there, uh, Friday, March 13th was a horrible day in the live event world. 
that's when the day just came to a screeching halt. Um, that's when all the restrictions went in place. And I'll never forget, uh, we were, we were going into a show in Duluth, Georgia. And, you know, we, in a matter of 24 hours, we went from having no more than a thousand fans to no more than 500 fans to no more than 250 in a matter of a day. And so at that point, we, we did a fanless show while we were in, in, in Duluth, but we knew that this was going to be something that wasn't going to go away really quickly. So I would say, you know, March, like I said, March 13th was that bad day. On March 16th, which is that, 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 that Monday, we were already planning how we were going to, 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 to work in this COVID pandemic environment and still try to put on shows in some shape, form, or fashion. We had come to the conclusion that that, that may be a, a set of shows that did not involve fans, but from that day on March 16th and going forward, our goal was to get us back on a pathway to normalcy as fast and safely as we can. And, and that's what we started and set our, set our, set our course to get to. And, and lo and behold, we kind of got there on July 10th with a show in Sioux Falls. And now we have about two other shows under our belt and we're going into a show this upcoming weekend. And, and we're going to keep going until the end of the year, trying to put on as many shows as we possibly can in front of fans. So you guys did have a little bit of time off. What was kind of the messaging that you guys gave the writers and um, the other the employees to, you know, lay low, stay at home so we can restart again? Uh, uh, just that. Uh, we told them to be careful and follow local main mandates and, and listen, you know, and, and we had a statement. We had a, 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 this going joke around the office, which – it's not a joke. It's a real life scenario, but wash your hands. Yeah. Uh, we were serious about this because we, we knew that it wasn't a matter of if, but a matter of when we were going to be able to have an opportunity to do this. And, and we couldn't, we knew we had to try to protect all of our riders, staff, um, stock contractors and personnel as much as we can, because the last thing that we wanted to do is say, okay, on your market set, go. And we have all of our guys out there. And now we got to put these guys in protocol, these guys on quarantine, and we don't have our full staff and a full, full accoutrements that we need in order to put on a productive event. So we, 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 we pretty much kind of demanded you stay at home, quarantine and wash your hands was, was our, was our going message to everybody. Uh, and, and lo and behold, when we had the opportunity to go to Guthrie, Oklahoma to do our shows, uh, we, 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 we went through probably a thousand tests, had zero positive cases and we were able to get going. And so now we are, we have a system in place where our bubble, unfortunately, we're not like the NBA, the WNBA, and some of these others that have a bubble that's centered around a center location. As a touring organization, our bubble gets up and leaves and goes to different cities throughout this time. And so we are traveling bubbles. So we have to take our protocols to, to an, an extra degree just to make sure that one, we don't bring COVID into a market and two, we don't take COVID with us and go to another market. So we're a little bit different than the traditional, but uh, we like where we're going so far. Definitely. So what are the things that you guys are doing to keep the writers safe? You talked about the bubble and the washing hands, you know, are there other things that you guys are doing that you feel like are unique that are keeping the writers and the employees safe? Um, I mean, at this point, 
you know, everybody's trying to take best practices. And so, you know, nothing is, is unique because everybody in the live event business is believing in the case method, which is copy and steal everything. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think there's anything ultra unique. We have our own spin on it that, that works best for us and, and fits us. So some of the things that we have done, first and foremost, our testing protocol is just that we test everybody that comes into our bubble. And, and, and I would argue that, you know, being one of the first events to get back to either, either hosting events and definitely one of the first events to get back to hosting events with fans, we, we coined that term. We feel we coined that term bubble because we had people in the bubble even before bubbles became a thing. And, and so we created that bubble where we insulated ourselves from the outside world just to make sure that everybody within our bubble were quarantined. They, we made everybody sign a social pledge that said what they were going to do when they were even outside of the, the bubble. And we turned the bubble versus this, this physical space into a set of protocols that follows you wherever you are. And, and, and so that is one of the unique things with having a travel bubble that we have to train our people on is the bubble is you. And when you start talking like that and it sounds all spacey, you know, guys are like, what the heck are you talking about? But, <laughs> but now they, they understand it. It's, it's okay. The bubble is me when I'm at this restaurant. So I got to make sure that I protect myself. I protect myself. Uh, from everyone around so that I know that when I leave this place, I put myself in the best possible position to not contract anything and then take it back into the quarantine environment that we're creating. So the bubble is a set of protocols. So that's the first mind twist that we had to do with our protocols. The second one that we implemented was pods. Once again, we're trying to put people in seats. And, and, and one of the things that we do now is we sell seats only in pods. So you have to buy two, three, four, five, or six seats. You have to buy all the seats in the pod and we, the way that we structure the pods is like a checkerboard around the arena but the, but our twist is we pretty much limit any crossover from any other fan so for example if you're if there are 20 seats in a row you know you may be in the low numbers one through four and then another party may be in 17 through 20 but you're going to go down your respective stairs the other one's going to go down their respective stairs to limit the amount of crossover that you got to have between one and another so, so we're trying to do little quirky things that allow for our fans to have uh, 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 the most uh, enjoyable yet the safest experience possible when it comes to interacting with the PBR. I love that. I think that that's brilliant. I did see how a lot of the events are doing, you know, fans coming in and the pods and I did, I wasn't exactly sure how they were going to handle, you know, you're in a pod, but then what if you have to go get a drink or you have to go to the bathroom or something, then you're, you know, Oh, excuse me, excuse me, you know, passing over everybody. And that's tough. That's not, that's not good there. Yeah. You know, and, and so we, I, I think the things that we, we need to do as promoters and live event producers is figure out is we're not going to cure COVID. That's not our business. I, I, I had enough research on COVID to know what to do and what not to do. But when it comes to molecular structures and trying to combine atoms and ions and proteins, and you can tell I flunked biology in college, <laughs> but, uh, but, but what it, what it, but what we can do is use our processes and our protocols to increase safety, right? And, and really truly paint a picture so that fans who are coming to our experience, they know that we've tried to take every step in order to create a safe environment for them. That's what we can control. And so for us, we're, we're trying to do simple things to make sure that they understand that we're taking this seriously. 
For example, the old school, when you go up to the, the mag, magnometer or, or the metal detector and you walk through, you remember you have to take your keys and your iPhone and put it in a little bin and they slide it through. Well, we had to stop that because that's, that's this community, it's community transfer. So we made sure that you know, when you walk through, you hold everything in your hands and you keep it in your pocket and walk through so that you don't have to feel like you're touching something in a surface that you're not comfortable with. The other thing that we looked at as part of the experience is door handles. People don't realize that's one of the biggest places you can connect with any type of disease, let alone COVID. And, and so we wanted to make sure that we just simply prop the doors open. I mean, once again, it seems like something that's so simple, but when you start saying, okay, I don't have to reach out and touch this handle because now I'm immediately looking for the hand sanitizer because I touch a, you know, unfamiliar surface. So, so we are trying to track the entire experience and from, from not only now used to be when you're a live produce, live event producer, you would say, Hey, I want to control the driveway to the driveway experience. That's, that was the buzzword. Now what we've done is say, we look at it as the driveway to the driveway plus three, which means we're looking at the event now three days prior to the fan going and three days after. So, so now we're having to look at sending out notices saying, if you feel sick, do not come to the event or better yet after the event, if you are now sick, please let us know so we can run proper trace protocols. So when you start looking at the way that you should you know, position um, an event and, and the experience for fans, we got to think in broader terms versus the old school. Okay. When they get there, let's crank up some music and then, and, and turn on the lights and let's go. That's not how it is anymore. We got to start thinking about safety psych, consumer behavior, walking patterns, congregation patterns, communicable diseases. I mean, you know, I'm learning a lot here <laughs> lately. It wasn't what I, what they taught or having to adapt a lot more than usual. Yeah, definitely. So you guys are bringing all of, I mean, I feel like you've got, you guys have done so much research that I really feel comfortable with you guys coming here to Des Moines. Honestly, like I'm, I'm like, Okay, yeah, let's do this. I think we can do it in a really safe way. And you guys are coming to Wells Fargo Arena September 19th and 20th. Uh, two shows at Wells Fargo Arena? Two shows. Two yeah, shows. Yeah, we we'll do. Yeah. And so um, people can buy tickets. Uh, let's see. HiveyTix.com. Gosh, I should know that. Uh, HiveyTix.com. People can buy tickets. Um, go down to any of the Hyvees, buy tickets. I know that uh, they do have some, uh, you know, in office hours, but I would say probably go online and get your tickets for uh, the event um, at Wells Fargo Arena. And I mean, what do you think? What do you, are, are you going to come here to Des Moines and hang out with us? Absolutely. <laughs> I wouldn't miss an opportunity to come hang out in Des Moines. No, um, but it, but it you know it it it, it it's just fun, right? And for me, it's hard in this COVID environment and talking via Zoom and Blue Jean and WebEx and Microsoft Teams. I miss you know if you're in a live event business, you're in it because you like the live event, and part of the live event are live people. And so you know it's. I miss that connection, right? You know, that, that's one of the reasons if you're, if you're an event producer, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's capital in, in, in capitalism as, as a part of it. We're all trying to make a dollar here. Granted, 
EBITDA right now is taking a big hit when you start talking about 50% capacities on buildings. So please let me let you guys know that this is a passion play for us more than a money-making play for us. Right. However, it, it's, it's just good when you put, you, you know, when you look out in the stands and, and you see a granddad and a grandson sitting there and he's pointing at the, the shoot saying that this is what's about to happen or he's providing that moment, you realize in that little snapshot of a second that you just created a memory. And if you're in this business, that we're in this business for, to create memories. And, 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 and so when I come to the events and I got to go because I want to get reinforced as to why we do what we do and everybody should have a why. I don't care what industry you're in, but my why is creating those little micro memories for, for our fans. And, and so, yeah, I'm going to come because I want to leave and it, and it pumps me up. And, and, and I think that right now more than ever, people need to create memories outside of the four walls or eight walls of their homes, depending on how big the house is. So if we can play a little part in providing that escape, hell yeah, I'll be there. Excuse my language. You can bleep that out if you need to. We're all good. We're all good. Well, I really appreciate this. I am. I'm just excited for for pro sports to kind of get back to Des Moines, and you guys are going to lead the way. So we appreciate that from you and and Koshay. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Hey, anytime. I look forward to it. And if, like I said, uh, please come out. We're going to be we're going to be in town, and, and, and we'll love to support. Um, and and and. Like I said, we, we, our goal is to try to create the most efficient and safe environment possible for our fans, our riders, our staff, everybody. And, and we take it very seriously. Uh, we're not, you know, cowboys doing cowboy things. We're cowboys doing the right thing right now. And the right thing is for us to get ourselves back on the path to normalcy. And this is just one step on that journey. I love it. All right, guys, um, make sure, you know, that you subscribe. You don't miss any of this content. Go back and listen to this interview. It's an awesome interview. Uh, if you are interested in how all of these teams are coming back to the bubble, how are they coming back to playing, whether they're in the bubble or they're not in the bubble, how everything's going, make sure to check out Pro Sports Going Viral every week. We post on Friday, and we will see you again next week.